before I get started, I got to tell you, I didn't think that I would miss filming sermons, making little sermon movies until this morning. And we spent the last month, a lot of stuff around here happens behind the scenes. We spent the last month trying to get the internet in the booth to work. And we did so that we can project on the back screen for the praise team. We got it working. We thought, all right, we'll start a praise team. We'll start up some stuff. Get here this morning. Doesn't work. So that's why they were just sitting down there. That's why they're having to look at books. So we're still trying to get that fixed. And then on top of all of that, this is a real heavy PowerPoint presentation, lots and lots of slides for the sermon. So if you see me occasionally doing that, you'll know why. If I get dizzy and start to sway, somebody come grab me because I just transitioned to progressive lenses. So I'm trying to look at you find people and then do this, but look down my nose so that I can actually see my notes and the Bible and then look and see your faces. So Welcome to this morning. This is a. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad I'm preaching from a book that says everything is meaningless. Because, um, you know, when it comes down to it, we're here, we're worshiping God, we're with each other. So sometimes that's good enough. Let's pray. God, we do thank you that we are here this morning. We thank you for guiding us with your wisdom. We thank you for not letting us just flail in the wind like fools. We are in your care, and we acknowledge that this morning. On the days when it does feel like we're just flailing in the wind, we come here, and we acknowledge together your presence among us, and we do give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, amen. Ecclesiastes 4.10. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Colt McCoy's dad said at a Lifeline dinner a few years ago that he learned one main approach to parenting. He said that as he was raising his children, he learned somewhere along the way that parenting was not about preparing the path for the child, but preparing the child for the path. The fool is the one who, by not living by wisdom, has isolated so much that no one is left when they fall. As we walk the path of this life, it is important that we pick up one another, that we build up one another, to quote the Bible, and not tear down one another as this world tries to get us to do. We have to be careful these days, even about how we think about each other. Remembering that love covers a multitude of contempt. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, Jesus paints a picture with these words. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. 
yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The wise person practices good things that build up. The fool hears what is right, but chooses contempt, hate, and most of all, feebly constructing our houses on the sands of a loose and temporary world, a world that stresses treasures here on earth rather than the things that matter most in life. It's like the images of Ecclesiastes 4, 13 through 16. Better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to take warning. The youth may have come from prison to the kingship, or he may have been born in poverty within his kingdom. I saw all who lived and walked under the sun followed the youth, the king's successor. There was no end to all the people who were before them, but those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I was listening the other night to some music, enjoying a windy evening outside. And on my playlist as I sat there just enjoying the music was a song called I Just Want to Celebrate by the appropriately named band Rare Earth. Played into that lovely evening and... These lines caught my attention. Had my hand on the dollar bill and the dollar bill flew away. But the sun is shining down on me and it's here to stay. That's why I'm telling you, I just want to celebrate another day of living. Now listen to Jesus in John 3. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. These images of light and darkness play into what we've mentioned this summer about stories that are called melodramas. Just to restate, we need to keep coming back to the idea of melodrama providing us victory over repression. That's what the stories do. They tell us that anything that represses us, anything that oppresses us is defeated. That anything that represses us can be defeated. And then our response in the face of such a story is to celebrate, to feel. But we've been told through the years to repress our feelings. Oh, don't feel like that. 
keep things in check. Keep your feelings in check. You ever been told that? Oh, don't feel that. Don't do that. That probably comes more from our Puritan roots than it does from the Bible. After all, can you imagine anyone in Palestine or Italy saying, keep your feelings in check? And all the while, don't forget to spend time with God. As in Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty with your heart to utter anything before God. God is in His heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. The fool is the one who not living by wisdom has isolated so much that no one is left to pick her up when she falls. The fool. The fool is the one who makes promises he does not keep. The fool is the one who keeps lugging around bad things all day, letting contempt eat you alive. Once upon a time, two monks were walking along the road. They came upon in the dirt road a big patch of mud. And they saw approaching the patch of mud a very well-dressed woman in a long kimono that came all the way down to the ground. And so one of the monks walked across the mud, picked her up, carried her back across the mud, and sat her down. And off she went, clean as a whistle. The two monks crossed the mud, both of them plenty dirty by now, and went on their way. Later that day, the monk who did not carry the woman across the mud began to criticize the one who did, reminding him that as monks, they were not allowed to touch a woman. And this is what he said. I put her down as soon as we crossed the mud. but you've been carrying her all day. Or to hear Jesus again from John 11. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, 
for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. The fool is the one who stores up treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven. As Ecclesiastes 5.10 puts it, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. To answer the earlier question then from chapter 3 about what does a worker gain from their toil, if not money, then what? The answer comes here in a verse in chapter 5. The sleep of a worker is sweet, whether you eat much or you eat little. For a while, back in time, I used to have weekly conversations with a 20-something young man who did not believe in God. But he wanted to talk to me about it. And so we did. We sat up conversations and we talked. Usually once a week, every once in a while more. He told me that when he was 14 years old, he decided that he did not believe in God. But now he was not so sure about his doubt. So I asked him why he was letting his 24-year-old self live by the ideas of a 14-year-old. And he wanted to be challenged. And so one time I asked him, I really, I told him, you know, for someone who doesn't believe in God, you sure talk about God a lot. And for some reason, that was enough, at least for that moment, to say that the very act of having the conversation in its own strange way can be an act of faith. Or like the end of our section today from Ecclesiastes 5.20, he seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. How would you like to be that person, so occupied by gladness of heart? You don't worry about the world anymore because you're occupied by gladness of heart. Everyone who hears these words of God is like a wise builder. But everyone who hears God but does not listen is like a fool trying to live in a house of cards. But do you remember Jesus said not to call someone a fool? You know why? It's because it suggests that that person does not know the time, that that person is not a person of wisdom. To call someone a fool is to say that they're not walking in the ways of God, which is a serious accusation. So Jesus said, don't call someone a fool. Now, this upset me greatly as a 12-year-old when I was searching for God because I liked Mr. T. And one of my very favorite shows up to that point was the A-Team. And I thought Mr. T was the greatest. But when I caught wind of Jesus' teaching, it threw my admiration of Mr. T into question because he used to go around saying... I pity the fool. And I thought Christians were not allowed to say that. 
But Jesus did not say what He said to keep us from shouting interjections at one another, although we probably shouldn't do that either. But Jesus' teaching has more to do with what it suggests about the way you view another person as maliciously wrong. You ever do that? You ever view another person with contempt? You ever done that? Viewed a person with contempt? Have you ever heard the world, maybe even this morning, or certainly over the last week, you ever hear the world try to get, to get you to view somebody else with contempt? See, to call someone a fool is to say that they know better, but they're choosing wrong. It is to say that they know the path of wisdom, but instead choose the house of cards. And what some people realize when we read the whole story is that the real teaching comes down to something else that Jesus said about not looking at the speck of dust in my neighbor's eye when I probably need to be spending more time looking at the branch that I have in my own eye. Because all you have to do is take off my mask to see that you are not the fool. I am. This conversation between Ecclesiastes and Jesus is about taking a moment to reflect and to pause. I know the teachings of Jesus. But half the time, I choose the ways of the world. So if I call anyone a fool, I probably shouldn't start with you. If I called anyone a fool, I need to start with myself. I pity the fool because the fool is me. But deep down, that's not what I want. I want what I've always wanted, just to be with God, just to rest in God, to work in God, to live in the presence of God. And I think deep down, that's why you're here. I think deep down, that's why you're at church on a Sunday morning, because that's what you want. You want to be and live and operate day to day in the presence of God. And just as a little warning along the way, this is not about self-loathing. That's where Jesus comes in. No, don't view anyone with contempt as the fool, but if you do, start with yourself, but don't stay there. And the good news, and this is where Jesus comes in, is you don't have to. You don't have to stay there. Instead, let God breathe life into you just like at the beginning. You want to say yes to this promise of Ecclesiastes 5.20. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. And that, my dear friends, my dear loved ones, gathered today in this outpost of the kingdom of heaven, that's why you keep showing up at God's doorstep. Just keep knocking. Because 
every day God opens the door to a house built of the materials of eternal wisdom, the stuff that life is truly made of. You cannot prepare the path, but you can prepare yourself. And all the while, it's not all up to you anyway. Most of it is waking up in the morning and saying yes to God, who is present with us along the way. And for that, we give thanks. And for that, we can be grateful. Amen.